Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome in. Hey, it's a Saturday morning. What up? Welcome in. Getting you up and moving for another weekend. Man, it is probably the most chaotic kickoff to legislative session 2023 that I've seen in a long time. Boy, have you seen the amount of bills being presented? The media actually paying attention to what's going on in Topeka. I think it's kind of cool to see. We'll talk about all that anymore. We have a loaded show for you today. Holy cow. Coming up, bottom of the hour, we have State Representative Stephen Owens, my representative from District Number 74 up in the Newton area. Have him on here shortly. We'll talk about the latest and his thoughts. 10 o'clock, hour number two, right around the corner, State Representative Leo Delperdang from District Number 94 here in the western Wichita areas. We're broadcasting from west Wichita ourselves. We'll get the latest from him. And coming up at the bottom of the next hour at 10.30, David Schneider, Convention of States Movement. We'll get the latest of what's going on with that. Uh, Can we pass Convention of States coming up in the 2023 legislative session? We have all that, plus we have the proposed budget (laughs) from Laura Kelly. We'll break that one down and get your thoughts on that. And we have to go internal with the Republican Party to get our thoughts on some of the elected officials of what's going on both here in the state and abroad in Washington, D.C. as well. So we have all that coming up for you. Strap in, baby. Drink a cup of coffee because you're going to get the jitters with how excited you are at this program. Welcome in. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we would love to hear from you. But kick off the program right out of the gate, man. We have to start off because obviously it, the lines are lit up, too. All the phone lines are now full. So we'll get to you in a second. Hang tight. Don't you worry, we'll get to you here momentarily. As you know, Monday is also Martin Luther King Day. Kind of a big deal, and we need to remember that in the proper way. In studio to talk about some of that, though, we have a special treat for you to kick off the program right out of the gate. State Representative Patrick Penn. What's going on, brother? What's going on, brother? How you hey, doing today? Good to see you. Amen. Man, what a kickoff to the week. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, happy New Year. First Had... time seeing you in 2023. Yeah, I know it. I know it. it Merry bro. Christmas. We are officially here. We're officially in the new year in 2023. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And boy, the first week up in uh, Topeka. How's it feel? Man, it's, uh, it's a whirlwind. But you know what? Um, I'm encouraged this session. I'm telling you what, um, we've been up there for two years, won our first re-election, and right out the gate, we have a better way, our commitment with our constituents here in Kansas. And I'm telling you, we went down and presented that, and I just know that that entire plan, that entire plan of action that we have for our people is going to deliver on the promises that we make promise is going to be kept. So I'm encouraged by that. I know that we have unity in our body. I know that we're hearing from, uh, we've, we can express ourselves to our leadership and our leadership is being responsive to us. So yeah. we're one band, one sound, one team, one fight. Did it take 15 votes to get a speaker of the house? <laughs> nah, just making sure making sure hey hey lead, um, uh speaker hawkins i was about to say leader hawkins speaker hawkins had that pretty handy it, he got that one done he got that one done that was an easy vote i am so excited that he is speaker because he's going to do one hell of a job well that's and, what uh, we do we're going to get stuff done and then the lord kelly's going to be mad about it but we're going to get some stuff done so here's the thing governor kelly going into the second term said that she is the fiscally conservative governor that she is working with republicans and that she doesn't use her partisanship of one party or the other to uh, promote her agenda, but she works across the aisle with everybody because she wants unity and civility 
in the legislature. So I ask you, going into the first week here where she's given her state of the state address, she has presented her budget proposal, and she has all of these grand ideas. How frequently have you seen her walk down the halls of the legislature to talk with elected officials? Yeah, that 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 doesn't happen. Oh, I got oh, I got in the elevator and she jumped on one day and uh then she uh you know jumped off and then she had covid and then she didn't have covid <laughs> and uh and I, I mean I'm just saying I'm I'm grateful that she's well now. I, I got that news release as well, but uh she has not given her state of the state. We've pushed that out to the 24th and we're going to hold it there and we want to see exactly what she's going to take credit for that the Republicans have actually done sane mm. fiscal policy that she's going to take credit for. I'm almost curious that uh, maybe she wasn't ready for the state of the state yet. Maybe uh, that's why the whole, oh, I got COVID. Oh, no, no, I didn't. It was just a false positive. Man, that's one hell of a dog ate my homework uh, type of slip. Right uh, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe she wasn't quite prepared for it yet. She's got to, you know, finish up her talking points. There you go. Yeah, on how to do this. Well, first off, I, uh, it's good to see you. Happy New Year. Man, it's And I love it. I'm excited about this legislative session. As you said, I am optimistic and encouraged yeah. about what we're going to see because we have some really, really great elected officials up there and leadership like you said with time masterson on the senate dan hawkins in the house we couldn't have better leadership i don't think right now um but there's another reason i brought you in studio yeah and obviously monday martin luther king day and you have some special guests in studio with you here as well so go ahead let's introduce who else is in studio with you today these are my two sons Jaden and josiah penn these are the guys that made me a dad uh, after my wife, uh, you know, was was gracious enough to to make me a husband. So Jaden is my uh, my big boy, and Josiah's kid brother. But he does he holds his own weight. Boys, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Jaden, and I'm 11 years old. Hi, I'm Josiah, and I'm eight years old. Oh, I love it. What school do you guys go to? Um, we both go to um, Classical School of Wichita. Classical School of Wichita. What grades are you in? Um, Jaden's in sixth grade and I'm in third grade. You're in third. Man, you guys are rocking it already. Growing up so fast. My, my, we were talking off the air. My little girl, she is in third grade and is eight years old as well. So uh, the, you guys grow up way too fast. Way yeah. too fast. Yeah. Good golly. So, all right. Yeah, and first off, you are dressed very nice. I am very impressed with this. So congratulations. You guys had a school project for Martin Luther King Day. Oh, actually, he did. You had one. Talk about what's, Talk about your project here. Well, I had this chart that they sent to me. I had an entire list of what to choose, and then I just chose to have the MLK I Have a Dream speech because I thought it would be a good idea. And then JoJo came along and then wanted to learn it too. Wow. In sixth grade, you're, you're tackling the uh, Martin Luther King speech. That's a project. Well done, Dad. Oh, man, you're getting them started off right. Andy, I'm going to tell you something. It's a proud Papa moment just for him to choose that battle for himself. Uh, he could have chosen anything that was shorter, but he went for the gusto. So uh, they started doing it over the holiday break uh, because they're supposed to actually have this competition in February, but they got ahead of the power curve. You know, we waste no time in, uh, doing things greatly. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it because as a member of the Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, which is the same fraternity that Dr. King was a member of, uh, this holds a special place in our heart as we celebrate the legacy and the memory of Dr. King. Uh, but more importantly than that, when you hear, and as these boys had to understand what the context of the of the moment was when he gave this speech, sure. and, uh, and, and just where the nation was, what we had come out of, uh, and what he was calling us toward and into. I think it's something that builds bridges, unifies folk, and I wanted them to get that message down in their spirit. So they took this uh, task on. They 
handled it like men all over the break. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're way ahead of the power curve. But if you would allow us to take about four minutes, last four minutes of the speech, we'll get after it. I love it. I love it. The microphone is all yours, boys, and do your thing. I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children Will one day live in a nation where they'll not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that every valley shall be exalted, that every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This, this is hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day. This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of the idea sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the gracious slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, When When we we allow freedom ring, when when we we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, 
will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Mm. Mm. I love it, I love it. Well done, guys. That is fantastic. I love it. Happy Martin Luther King to you. How long did it take you to memorize that? Um, all, Christmas <laughs> all Christmas break. All Christmas break. break and then, like, the weeks before that. No, oh, it took you a while. Practice, practice, practice. Not only just to memorize the script, but then to memorize the emphasis, memorize the excitement. That's uh, That takes talent. Hey, I want to go back and do one thing, okay? What was that first paragraph? You know what you missed. Oh, Tell them yeah. what you said. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered this speech at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. on August 28, 1963. He was speaking to a huge crowd of people who had marched into Washington in support of civil rights legislation. I love it. Well done, boys. That is fantastic. The discussion, that talk of unity, Patrick, you and I have talked about that before on the program, about the unity that was talked about then. A little bit different from what you hear from a certain political side of the aisle today while they try to parade and hype that up, that uh, they represent that certain community, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the devil's in the details, right? You can't be conned by the text. Context is everything. Don't be conned by the text. What Dr. King preached was a message of love. He says that the only thing that can drive out hate is love, just like the scripture says. But right now, what we see is this fracturing of America where there's a certain side of the aisle that wants to uh, have some type of retribution with hatred. And where we drive these wedges between who our people are and what we are as a, na as a nation and communities and our fabric of these nations and communities. And what I uh, hope to teach my sons, I know that you and your listeners do as well with their families, is that we are one human race. We all are in the body of Christ. And guess what? We are flowers in his garden. He is the one who set us here and he's the one who takes pleasure in us and gets glory from us. So there's no place in time for the rose to say to the chrysanthemum, you ugly, you don't belong here, you, you're worthless, and vice versa. So what these boys are learning is that, guess what? Um, there's a space for them in, 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 at the table. There's a place for their voice to be in the conversation and that we do not divide ourselves on basis of race, but we exalt the God who, who made us, but we also walk in love and honor and respect with all of our fellow man. So that's the thing that Dr. King preached. That's the only healing balm that we have through Christ for this nation. And um, I would hope that as we talk about uh, some of the things that we can do in the legislature, people remember that and have that true unity like you were just saying, whether it be convention of states, whether it be with our fiscal policy, whether it be with our education policy or whatever it might be, that we understand that we are stronger together than we are apart. Amen to that. I love it. I know you guys got to run. We got to take a break here as well. But boys, Jaden, Josiah, thank you guys for what you did. Keep up that fight. You're what do you welcome. say? Appreciate you that. Patrick, always good to talk to you as well, yes, my sir. friend. Always good. All right. We got to take a break here. 21 minutes past the hour. When we come back, we'll take some phone calls. We'll get some other issues as well. Good stuff. Way to kick off a Martin Luther King Day weekend right here on Candace Talk. Open lines to you at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. This is Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM.
Welcome back into the program. 25 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. What up? Hey, happy Saturday to you. Thanks again to State Representative Patrick Penn coming on the program with Jaden, Josiah. Well done, boys. That was fantastic. Loved hearing that. And we appreciate you very, very much. So what we're going to do with that, that audio, that's going to go into the archives. And Martin Luther King weekend, we're going to be playing that because I loved it. I loved it. And that's the message that we need to have, the real message of unity and getting rid of racism and division and hatred. Not the, uh, you know, oh, we need to create more division by doing reverse hating or whatever else the Democrats try to say. Uh, although, according to them, there is no such thing as reverse racism, which is hilarious on that front as well. Let's go to the phones. What do you say? we got a few minutes left here. Uh, we have State Representative uh, Stephen Owens coming on the program here in just about 10 minutes. We'll get him on the program. But until then, line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Mr. Andy. Mr. Sean, how are you, sir? Oh, well, I can't tell you because that's classified. Mm, well, you know what? Just write it down, seal it up, and just put it in an envelope in your in your garage. And then every time you go and park your car in and out, then uh, you'll be able to see it. Well, I've got classified documents uh, stored in my place, but I'll tell you where they're at. They're in the bottom of a coffee can in my refrigerator. I mean, who's going <laughs> to think to look there? That's a good place for it. That's a good place to hide them. I mean, why not? If they're not going to be in the National Archives or in the federal government to where they're you know, supposed to be for a vice president who does not have the ability to declassify, then why not? Just put them in a can, put them in your freezer, put them in your garage, and everything will be great. And then when asked about it, well, you know, it's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault. Well, this document is the, uh, it's the Colonel's Secret Recipe for Kentucky Fried Chicken. And they are for sale for a million smackaroos cash. No mm. checks or money. Now, is that that is a million dollars? Is that a million uh, million trays of the KFC gravy? Million dollars American. Okay. See, I got I got the gravy. I can get you some gravy if you need. I I, I know a guy. Oh. And I love that stuff. Yeah. I'll t- I'll eat that all day long, my friend. I although I haven't had it in a while. Got to admit. You got a million bucks <laughs> and the gravy. Now uh, the recipe's yours. There we go. There we go. That's uh, that's good stuff. What do you think? First week of legislative session in Kansas. How, how's things faring out, you think? Well, I haven't heard enough about it. Um, well, you're in the right place with, then. Well, yeah. I mean, um, I can't always remember what you talk about on your afternoon show. Uh, I think I caught I think I caught it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I know I listened to it yesterday, but I've had so much other stuff. On my mind, it's been distracting, but uh, uh, I'm a little suspicious of the governor wanting to get rid of the uh, grocery tax. Uh, I mean, if she, uh, you know, if she does the right thing, you know, I'll give her credit, but I don't. Well, let's be clear here. Getting getting rid of the sales tax on food has been something that Republicans have been fighting for for years. Governor Kelly has been a state senator for 20 years and during that 20-year reign has voted against repealing the sales tax on food multiple times. If you remember uh, John Whitmer, who's now a talk radio host as well over on the uh, other station, uh, he was a former state representative. He put a bill up multiple times that was a simple one-page bill. That said 1% reduction on sales food, complete reduction on sales food tax, just 
random bills. They voted against it multiple times. The governor vetoed it on her first term the last four years. She vetoed it at least one or two times as well. So now the fact that we are going into a recession, the fact that we are coming out of the COVID-19 era economy in the state of Kansas as well, she ran on her campaign as a Republican conservative trying to steal the agenda away from Derek Schmidt, or it would have been a walkover easy election for Derek Schmidt. And and Governor Kelly now has to fulfill that promise by saying that she cares about taxes, she cares about fiscal responsibility, and that she cares about actually reducing sales tax on food after voting against it for more than at least 10 years in the state of Kansas. So I wouldn't give her credit on anything. If it happens, it's still a Republican legislative bill that comes out of our state legislature in both chambers run by dominancy of a supermajority of Republicans that actually passed the bill. It's just whether she signs it or whether she vetoes it and she we have to override it again with three-fourths of the vote. Sean, we got to take a break here. Bottom of the hour, I appreciate the call very much, my friend. So don't give her credit for it. She's trying to steal the credit. And if she signs it, we'll maybe like half clap. We'll do the uh, Brett Favre slow clap if she signs it. But that's about as far as we give her credit for something like that because Republicans have been fighting for that for a long time. All right, when we come back, Stephen Owen, state representative, we'll get his thoughts on the first week uh, kickoff of legislative session 2023 and a heck of a lot more with your phone calls. It's Kansas Talk right here on KQAM. Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Thirty-five minutes past nine o'clock hour here on a Saturday morning. Welcome into the program right here on Wichita's Big Talker fourteen eighty KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Three one six seven two one eight two five five. Three one six seven two one. Talk. Give us a call on the maximum outdoor equipment hotlines. You partner with us here on our phone lines here in the KQAM studios. Maximum outdoor equipment service calls makes you makes any makes and models for outdoor equipment. Find new and used outdoor equipment along with any accessories for your outdoor power tools. MaximumOutdoor.com. Also, 1002 Southwest Street and online at MaximumOutdoor.com. Maximum Outdoor Equipment. Check them out and give us a call on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment hotlines. All right. We got a lot to get to today. Uh, hour number two, right around the corner, we have Leo Delperdang, state representative. We'll get him on at 10 o'clock. And at the bottom of next hour, wrapping up the program, David Schneider, Convention of States. Will that movement finally happen this year? As that's been a conversation to be had uh, for the last few years, and we haven't quite been able to get it over that threshold. We'll see what happens this year. But right now, to get an update from what's going on in Topeka for week number one, down and in the books, excited to have on my state representative from his district, uh, Mr. Stephen Owen. Stephen, what's going on, brother? Happy New Year. Uh, hey, thanks, my man. Happy New Year and happy uh, first of the session. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow, it started off with a bang. I've been seeing headlines nonstop about everything you guys are throwing at the uh, wall to see what actually sticks and what we can get through. How optimistic are you about this year? It sounds like we got some good momentum going on. You know, I'm super excited, Andy. I'll be honest. You know, we have we have new leadership in the House. Uh, we have 11 new chairmen in the House. We have uh, 21 new Republicans in the House. I mean, we've really uh, brought in some great folks and really are, are we're already seeing things being turned on their head. I mean, you know, the Senate and the House working together with our first press conference of the year, 
um, with all the Republicans standing there in the room united. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It feels different. It feels like much more of a united group this year. I love it. We have new leadership, obviously, in the House. We're rocking it with Dan Hawkins. We have Blake Carpenter as the pro temp speaker as well that came up from the majority whip. It sounds like we have great leadership, not just overall in the chambers, but in each one of the committees as well. The, each one of the committees has some fantastic leadership as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and that, that's what I'm talking about. You know, we, we have the opportunity for some, some changing of the old guard, if you will, and, and some new fresh ideas and people that are, that are willing to do things and really think to the future. You know, nothing against my, my colleagues that um, served in the House, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, but the reality is you get stuck in some old thinking, yeah. and, uh, and we need new blood. We need new leaders. We need... Uh, new opportunity in the state. We need new direction, and and you know it's just really great to see it, to feel it. Uh, really excited about our new majority leader. Uh, a lot of folks don't know him down in in Wichita, but uh, retired Colonel Chris Croft, 30-year retired uh, Army Colonel, is now our House Majority Leader, and and also doing a fantastic job. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about some of the bills that came up this week, and one of them that you were heavily involved in, obviously, was the uh, Kansas Highway Patrol and the move to slide their oversight away from the governor's branch and the executive branch over to the attorney general's office to kind of see because it sounds like we're a bit short on Kansas Highway Patrol troopers across the state of Kansas. Well, and the the problem is it's more than being a bit short. Uh, we have resignations left and right. We have morale that is below in the toilet. Hell, it's in the sewer system at this point. Uh, we have we have officers that are literally hanging on by a thread, hoping and praying that the legislature can get something done. This has been uh, better than three years of failed leadership in that organization. Anybody that knows me know how staunchly pro-law enforcement I am, and I fight for those guys and gals, and I hear from them regularly. I, the list of folks that I have heard from uh, as it relates to sexual harassment claims, wrongful termination claims, I mean, it, it, this, this organization has literally been driven into the ground, and, and that's not to say that the current superintendent, Herman Jones, is a bad guy, because I'm sure he's great and, and he has a long history in law enforcement. But that, but that doesn't make him right for this spot at this time, and change has got to come about. So, yeah, I introduced legislation um, just last week that will move uh, the Kansas Highway Patrol out from under the executive branch, under the attorney general. Um, where the KBI sets. I mean, after all, our attorney general is the head law enforcement agent in the state of Kansas. That would make and sense. And so um, there's, log- there's logic behind that regardless. <laughs> but, but we've got to bring about change. People are counting on us. Hundreds of troopers are counting on us, and, and we've just got to make something happen this year. Talk about some of the details here. What, what is the morale there, and what is the reason why there are so many wanting to leave? And what, t- I mean, what kind of leadership is going on right now that's making them unhappy? Is it just the lack of instruction, lack of direction? Is it the lack of policy enforcement? What's going on here? Well, Andy, we all know that, that an organization, any organization, leadership starts at the top, Right. Uh, we have a governor that has proven uh, that she is not pro-law enforcement. Um, that's why nearly every law enforcement agency switched their endorsement to Derek Schmidt before the last election. So unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to get her replaced. And so then we know that it falls on the superintendent, who's the next leader that we can affect. When you create a culture where sexual harassment is looked past, where when somebody tries to follow procedure and protect those women, they're terminated. When you have uh, people being 
um, knock down the, the, the ladder of their achievements and their ranks just to be terminated. You have court rulings that are going against them. People have zero faith in their leadership. And when you don't have faith in your leadership, don't feel like you're being led in the direction that law enforcement should be led. Your morale's in the toilet. Yeah. We had, if I recall correctly, somewhere near 15 resignations in the month of December alone out of that organization. And by the way, there were, if I recall it correctly, again, I don't have my notes in front of me, but it was six or eight recruits in 2022 into the KHP. Wow. So we had more resignations in one month than we had new recruits being brought on. And if I it's remember correct, they're what, near like 25% short across the state? Is that about right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some want to say that, well, this is just a hard economy, labor's hard to find. And, hey, I totally agree with that. As a small business owner, I know how tough it is to find people. But there was a, there was a time prior to, this, uh, prior to this administration where law enforcement officers were fighting and clawing to become troopers. That's kind of like the, uh, you know, th- that's the elite. Those are the guys where, um, you know, you, you want to attain that level and be part of that troop. So they would have... 60, 70, 80 applicants in a recruiting class and not even be able to bring them all in. Well, now they're lucky to get 10 or 20 and have two or three actually completed. Uh, All at a time where I just read an article two weeks ago where in Johnson County, they're posting advertisements for for new sheriffs and had a 300% increase in applicants. Why is that? Why is that? That's because they have good leadership. And it's time for leadership change in the Kansas Highway Patrol. I love it. I love it. We need to get that back up on par because, uh, I mean, 25% short, is, I'm sure that that strains them. Are they complaining about what uh, the, the extremely long hours, the overtime that they have to deal with? I mean, they're just trying to maintain right now, it sounds like. Yeah, they're just trying to handle their business, right? Our troopers, most of them work out in their own areas, right? You have a couple of uh, troopers per county or per area. And they're still out there. They're doing their best. They're doing their job. But they've got to have support direct from their leadership. And when we see things, um, for example, some of the issues with air support, right, Um, air support up in Topeka, all of our air support is now being uh, kind of conglomerated up in Topeka, um, even after we as a legislature last year agreed to buy a new helicopter and a new airplane and a few other things with the intent that Wichita might finally get air support back again. A lot of people don't know but the Highway Patrol is the only law enforcement agency in the state of Kansas that has any aerial support, yeah. the only one. And so every law enforcement agency that needs aerial support relies on the KHP. It would make sense to have that dispersed around the state. The current leadership doesn't want that to happen. <laughs> Shocker. We're talking to State Representative Stephen Owens, District Number 74 in the Newton area. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about appropriations. The governor has presented her requested budget last week uh, didn't quite get her speaker or the uh, state of the state speech out but uh, because well i mean she wrongly tested for covid which was kind of interesting but uh, she has presented her budget proposal uh, i'm sure i don't know how much time you guys have actually had to look through some of that but what's your take on it i'm assuming there's the discussion of expansion of medicaid in there there's increased funding for public education in there what else uh, what else is going on with the governor's budget proposal yeah, with, without a doubt. All of those things are back in there. Uh, on a brighter note, however, she didn't uh, propose to re-amortize capers for the fourth hey. time. So that that's really good. Um, but, but, you know, uh, the budget is out. We just got it yesterday. Really kind of got the high points of it. Of course, there's increased spending. Uh, and that's something that we're very much going to be working on uh, in the legislature. Uh, have you heard, uh, did, did you hear any of the press releases about uh, the Kansas Republicans' 
um, commitment to Kansas that was released last yeah, uh, last weekend. I love it. Yeah, you guys did your big press conference. I saw Dan Hawkins, Ty Masterson. I saw the the commitment to the state and what you guys are working on doing. And it looks. Fan- I love the plan. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And the very first thing that it says is, "It's your money. Our commitment to taxpayers. We believe Kansas should keep more of what they earn and send less to Topeka. Pass a balanced budget that eliminates wasteful spending." pays down debts, and saves money for a rainy day. Make a state tax code that's flatter and simpler to help families and business and reduce the tax burden on both retirees and families. That is what our goal is, regardless of what the governor has proposed to us. We recognize that there are very important things that our government does for for the elderly, for the disabled, for our youth. I mean, there's no doubt we've got to have government. It's an important function of, of what our state does. But we have got to be more accountable, and we as legislators have got to get better at telling people no. Even though they have a good idea, even though there could be needed spending, we've got to get good at saying no and back this budget down. Just to adopt the D.A.R.E. program, just say no. <laughs> That's what you got to do. There you go. Just say no. Just exactly say no. Right. But, but, we've got to get good at that. But, Stephen, I thought that Governor Kelly said that she's a fiscal conservative. Um, I don't know what you've been listening to, man. Um, but the writing is on the wall. When I'm pretty sure uh, Derek did a great job of of sharing that information with the billions of dollars of increased spending over the last. Uh, Four years. So no, I wouldn't go that far, my friend. Yeah, not quite that far. Now, you guys have talked about as well with the budget proposal that's in there about setting some money aside for a safety net just in case of a uh, another outbreak of COVID or something else, just in case of a recession coming into the state for 2023 that all the bankers and fiscal uh, uh, financial experts across the nation are saying are going to happen. Do you think that we're actually going to set aside close to a billion dollars into a safety fund? Well, yeah, and, and I do, Andy, and uh, that was led by the Republican legislature over the last two years, and we actually currently have just shy of a billion dollars in our rainy day fund. Uh, our goal is to grow that, um, you know, to be on par with kind of what is expected. Um, you want to have about 15% of your, your annual state general fund set aside in, in a rainy day fund in a savings account to prepare for a downturn. And uh, and so, you know, we are likely going to set aside probably another ha- – $500 million, uh, if the budget works out well, to get us to that $1.5 billion, um, to put us in a better place. Look, we all know, right? We, we're, all, we're all taxpayers. We all have families. We understand the importance of saving and making sure that we're prepared for the unknowns in the future. Uh, however, saving is only part of it, right? So much of the excess revenue our state has is due to the trillions and trillions of dollars that has been printed by the federal government. That, by the way, we're all now paying for with 10, 20, 30 percent inflation on our groceries and everything else. Um, but bar none, it, it still is excess revenue that belongs in your pocket more so than in the state. So let's prepare, but let's do everything we can to ensure that the taxpayers are only paying what they have to pay to maintain, um, you know, to, to continue our government functions. Yeah, amen to that. we got just a couple minutes left here as we kind of wrap up, but you are also heading and chairing the Corrections and Juvenile Justice uh, Committee as well. What's uh, what's on the slate early on in the legislative session for that committee? What are you guys working on? Yeah, so one of the things that we met with, uh, with our friends down in Sedgwick County um, last year and then again this year really is uh, the need for some correction within the, the juvenile justice system. You know, about six years ago, we passed significant juvenile justice reform in the state of Kansas, and in a lot of ways it has worked well. 
but in many ways um, it has worked terribly. And we, you know, I'm a firm believer that as legislators we do our best to pass good legislation every time, but rarely is it ever perfect. And so we've got to go back and we've got to look at these things and we've got to fix them. And so one of the issues we're doing, and we have a, a joint meeting next week with the Child Welfare and Foster Care Committee, um, led by Chair Susan Kincannon, and we're going to be looking at this plague of, of judges having their hands tied uh, with these juveniles in the juvenile justice system and not being able to uh, effect, effectively sanction them. And instead, they just call them sink kids and place them in foster care mm. as some level of punishment. Well, we know the state makes terrible parents. And so the foster care system is not where they need to be. We have foster parents receiving kids straight out of the correction system that have no idea who's coming into their home. Uh, we heard, when we're going to hear this again, but we heard from one foster care provider where two youth uh, char um, accused of murder were recently placed in foster care, and, and the foster parents had no idea. So it's these type of things that we've got we've to get corrected. We know that foster care is not the best place for these youth. We need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to support them, to strengthen their families, um, and to ensure that you know, they're receiving the, the, the programming that they need. Uh, in lieu of throwing them in the system. So we're looking at that. Uh, we're looking at other things on a juvenile level. Uh, I was recently reintroduced into our committee um, by the, our Kansas law enforcement agencies. Um, Derek Schmidt's bill from last year that would increase penalties on violent felons in possession of a firearm sure. uh, because there's a huge increase in the number of, of people utilizing firearms uh, uh, while committing other felonies. So we're going to look at increased penalties there. We're also going to look at um, you know, increased penalties when firearms are used uh, in the commission of the sale of drugs, right? Um, so we're constantly going to be looking at, you know, how do we ensure accountability within our system? Because we will never, and mark my words, we will never be a Chicago, a California, or a New York <laughs> when it comes to criminal justice as long as I'm in office. And then we're also going to ensure that we're doing everything we can to treat people that are getting in the system to ensure that when they're out of the system, they stand a chance in society to not recidivate. Man, it sounds like you guys got a big list of uh, to-dos for this session. It's going to be fun to see what comes out of it and what you can get done. But it is optimistic, and like you said, it, you you said it best, is that the government makes horrible parents. And the more kids that go into the foster care program, that is a mistake and a disaster for their futures and for their lives moving forward. We need to find a way to hold the family unit together and not increase the size of the government wanting to take care of more kids. So I love that, and I think that we need to focus more on that throughout the year. Yeah, if I, uh, Andy, I've said since I ran for office, if I could effectively legislate the family unit and good parenting, uh, it would solve the vast majority of our problems in society <laughs> today. Uh, and anybody that thinks on that for a minute will agree, because when you look at our prison system, um, statistically, there's close to 50% of those uh, people in our prison system were in foster care at some point. Yeah. Okay. We have got to get back to the basic fundamentals of the basic fundamentals of parents, of discipline, and of accountability uh, within the family unit. Amen to that, my friend. It reminds me of the incident we just saw in Wichita recently, the two kids that attacked the cops. And I got to give kudos to the newly elected uh, police chief here in Wichita that said, you know, you guys can really help me out in the community is making sure your kids don't act this way and we don't have this issue in the first place. So, uh, you know, I got I to applaud him for that statement right out of the gate because maybe that would be part of the uh, problem-solving matter here as well. 
Yeah, and talk about the need for some uh, leadership changes in the city of Wichita, huh? Yeah. Um, you you folks have an election coming up here in uh, in a few months <laughs> where you're going to have a chance to uh, right the ship, if you will, uh, because I am not a fan of any law, uh, any uh, elected officials that are not pro law enforcement, and do not support support the men and women in the uniform, and uh, and in my opinion, those that don't need to be relieved. Amen to that. I would also like to remind that I'm hoping the Fraternal Order of Police that did make that endorsement are reconsidering that nomination and that uh, maybe they'll make the right decision moving forward again as well. It's State Representative Stephen Owens, District Number 74. Stephen, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Keep up the fight. It's going to be a great fun year. As you mentioned, I am optimistic about this year. We'll get you back on again here in a few weeks and get another update from you. All right. Thank you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Keep up the good work. You as well. Always a pleasure. That's State Representative Stephen Owens. All right, we'll take a break. Wrap up hour number one. Good golly, this is flying right on by. Right around the corner in hour number two, we have State Representative Leo Delperding in studio with us here for a half hour. Also, to wrap up the program, David Schneider, Convention of States Movement. We'll talk about that as well. Lots more coming up here on Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into the program. Got a few minutes left here to wrap up our number one. And as we do, I love what Stephen Owen said in that with the Republican plan. Dan Hawkins, Ty Masterson coming together, talking about the commitment to Kansas after the commitment to America that we saw from Kevin McCarthy at the national level of, remember what he said, this is your taxpayer money. It's not the government's. Government doesn't need to be spending it. This is your tax money. Which we probably need to remind a few of the elected officials here in the state of Kansas. One of our favorite segments we have on the program now. Well, she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina. She's a sticky finger filcher from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a slow boat to China. Tell me where in the world. Jerry Moran. Where in the world is Jerry Moran? As Jerry Moran has yet to still come on this program, but he was one of the 18 that did vote for the $1.7 trillion omnibus package in Washington, D.C. going into the holidays. So Merry Christmas to you, or should I say Merry Christmas to Jerry Moran for voting for that one. If you did watch any of his tweets uh, going on around that time, he was excited to announce all of the great, uh, um, I guess, porculous parts that he received here for the state of Kansas. And he was parading that around. But he was one of them that did make, unfortunately, that big $1.7 trillion omnibus package happen, which may I remind you now that according to Secretary Yellen from the Federal Reserve is that now, or the Department of Treasury, now, as of Thursday next week, we're hitting our debt ceiling for the federal level. All right, January. Hey, you want to start off a new year? Yeah, we're going to start it off by running out of money already. Thanks to the $1.7 trillion omnibus package. And now we know exactly how much Jerry Moran is worth to be bought off on. So congratulations. You've bankrupted the nation. We applaud you, Jerry Moran, or not lots more coming up here on the program and again 
open floor for you to come on the program and talk about it, about how important those programs were on why it was okay for government money, but the state of Kansas couldn't invest in it because, well, maybe it wasn't worth it at that time. Hmm, the things you make you go, hmm, lots more coming up right around the corner. Hour number two here on Candace Talk. Truth Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Good golly, it flies right on by. Hour number two is officially here. Welcome in. Happy Saturday morning. Getting you up and moving for another day. You like my new segment on the show? We're going to do that, I think, on a weekly basis. Got to get an update, right? (laughs) Hey, got to hold our Republican elected officials accountable here in the state of Kansas. That's what we're all about. Trying to hold elected officials accountable to the constituents that they supposedly represent. Welcome into the program. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to give us a call on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, we'd love to hear from you. Coming up, bottom of the hour, David Schneider, Convention of States Movement. Will that one actually happen this year? I know we've been talking about it for a few years. If you remember the, I want to say New Year's episode or Christmas episode that we had here on the show, we had... Uh, some elected officials nationwide, some big wins. Rick Santorum coming on the program with Convention Estates as they are doing their big push. Kansas, we're so close. Other states have jumped on. Are we able to finally jump on as well? We'll talk about that coming up at the bottom of the hour in just a little bit. Also, we've had Patrick Penn, state representative. Stephen Owens, we just wrapped up with him. Always great to have him on the show as well. My state representative, and we love him to death. In studio now with us, though, I've been helping out him on occasion. Every couple of years here, State Representative Leo Delperdang here from West Wichita. Leo, what's going on, sir? Happy New hey, Year. Hey, good morning, Andy. Always good to be on your show. Yeah, Happy New Year. And man. it's been a little while since I've seen you, but yes, I, I owe you another pair of tennis shoes after this last <laughs> campaign season, so I do appreciate all your help out Knocking there this doors, past fall. talking to people. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, Although, I, maybe I scared him away with the uh, mohawk. I don't know. No comment on that one. Okay. All right, <laughs> but there we go. We, we made you wear a hat during it, right? <laughs> That's right. I got my, I got my FJB hat over here here so maybe i think that was appropriate well, i'm trying to figure it out i walked into your studio this morning and laying right up front and center is an andy's hat andy's so that's, that's right. got to have some meaning up there but you know uh, so andy's frozen custards uh partner with our sister station over on kgso and yes they have brought us some andy's hats and i have one right hold on because i swing over the studio here i have one behind me there you so go. that way yeah at andy's it's this is andy's that's right yeah, yeah that's, that's right i had to i i was so vain i had to have it on a hat <laughs> There we are. Happy New Year and happy 2023. What a kickoff to the new legislative session this year. Holy cow. It is a whole different feeling up there. Uh, I had my usual Saturday morning breakfast with a couple of legislators, including our new Speaker of the House. And I forewarned the Speaker, I'm going to talk about you today. So I don't know if he's out there listening in the audience, but I'm going to talk about him today. But it is a whole different feeling. Did it take 15 votes to get him elected? Uh, <laughs> you mean 15 tries? 15 or? different tries. No, yeah. it did not. No, it no. took one on this one, one. Because everybody's united. I love Dan Hawkins. Yeah. He's such a good friend. We love having him on the show. And we'll get him on in a couple of weeks here. But uh, that shows the difference between the Kevin McCarthy style and mm-hmm. a Dan Hawkins conservative style that we have in, in the state of Kansas that, uh, yeah, I'm excited yeah. for the change in leadership. Well, and I told the speaker going into this, because I'm, I'm chairman of utilities this year, too, and, and I just forewarned him. I said... 
I don't want any micromanagement going on up there. And the response was, if I had to do that, then you're the wrong choice for it. And he is truly, he has backed off. He's allowing us to run our committees. His door is fully open. Sure. I had a couple of questions uh, early into it. And I mean, all I did is put a call in his office. Five minutes later, I'm sitting in his office. Yeah. And it's just a whole different approach there. I mean, extremely approachable. I cannot say anything but just praises for him. And Uh, no micromanagement over the committees. no, No micromanagement. Letting nope. things happen. And I think I've got full backing, and let's just keep pushing this thing forward. So. I, I sense excitement between Dan Hawkins, between Blake Carpenter, now the pro tem speaker as well. Uh, the the leadership overall seems to be building a lot of momentum. And we've talked about this both on and off the air for the last few years with you and with Hawkins and with Ty Masterson, Senate President, uh, of the messaging of Republicans in the state, getting the messaging out, letting voters know exactly what you guys are working on in and out of the legislative session because the mainstream media dominates. And the mainstream media either demonizes what you guys are doing or hypes up whatever Democrat bills are out there and then asks why you guys aren't on board. Not talking about what you guys are doing. And so far, I'm liking the messaging. Yeah, we need, I keep saying we need more messaging, and they're addressing that. And you're you're hitting right on one of my number one pet peeves of being up there. So much that we do, bills that I've carried, bills I've been involved with, things that have come our way only to have it work through the House, work through the Senate, and suddenly Laura Kelly takes 100% of the credit for it. You know, it's no different than the acts of food tax. That's it was discussed previously <laughs> on here, but those are bills that came up in 2019. It came up several times by. Am I allowed to say John Whitmer on here? You could say it as a, a former Previous state rep- representative. There you, there, go. there you go. But yeah, he's brought it up many a times, and it, it, it was vetoed during them times. This time around, I'm going to say a, la- a couple of years ago now, um, we got a letter on November 5th of 21 from Derek Schmidt saying, legislature, you need to address the food taxes in the upcoming 22 legislative session. Sure. We did. And who's acts the food tax take? Where's all the credit go to? Yeah. It ain't back to those that actually passed it. It ain't back to the Republicans, but rather the Democrats are taking it. And, you know, when it comes down to it, I guess I don't care who takes the credit. It benefits Kansas, and I'm going to stand behind anything that benefits Kansas. Sure. But well, it's an interesting PR spin, though, when she's been fighting it for years and then all of a sudden she's for it. And we got to remember, we have to remember the legislative process. She can sign it and she can try and take credit. But everything that she signs is something that you guys as the mm-hmm. dominant supermajority Republicans of both chambers yeah. were the ones that wrote and that passed to allow her to be able to sign it for it to actually take effect. So as the one that says that she's nonpartisan and says mm-hmm. that she's fiscally conservative and says that she wants civility and wants to work across the aisle, then instead of saying, I did this, she should say, hey, Republicans and Democrats came together and we did it together. That's exactly it. But I don't you know, if, if it makes her feel better for taking the credit, that's fine. I just want the people to know it's the Republican side. We are working for the people. Is there a chance that we're going to get rid of sales tax on food completely this year instead of the uh, the down step that we're doing I think right there's now? a possibility. I, I do not sit on that committee, but I do think there is a possibility. Sure. Uh, it's going to come up. I, you know, I wanted to get into some things here, but before we jump into this, um, your previous guest here yeah Stephen uh, Owens. you guys were talking about the uh state troopers and, and so forth sure i've got an envision here that i would right now i think part of the problem also with the troopers take take out the recruiting and everything but when you become a state trooper for the state of kansas what is your career path 
Mm. You're a trooper for a while. You become a master trooper after so many years. And then maybe you become a lieutenant, a captain, et cetera. But is that what everybody wants? There's got to be a better, more opportunities out there for these people. So my thoughts are I'd like to put the KHP under whatever common body that the KBI is under. Sure. And could the KHP possibly be the the breeding and recruiting ground for the KBI, which gets into investigations and higher level law enforcement type of activities? Yeah, some cross promotion between the two agencies. Exactly. Where's the KBI today? Mm. It falls under the attorney general, who's the chief uh, law enforcement officer of the state. Yeah. Let's let's move them together. And that makes sense. somehow I'd like to get the HR piece of this to where it'd be easier to possibly grow and transfer between KHP and over to KBI, et cetera. I just, I, like I just think it's a natural and it, you know, we've got to give these people some incentives for coming in right yeah. now. We're beating them up for the law enforcement career in general. Then we had some issues with, uh, the pay grades yeah. and we're, we've been addressing that, but still we've got to get behind these people. Uh, I, I was in a, uh, meeting with some, it was a state or uh, I'm sorry, a joint Senate house, uh, committee sure. about a month ago or so. And I encourage people in there to reach out to the state troopers to, to even do a ride along. You ought to see some of the stuff these people encounter and what they have to put up with. They deserve our backing. There's no getting around it. We need to back these people. Yeah. And just like with, with what we've seen on the videos of the Wichita policeman, was that two weeks ago now, three yeah. weeks ago? Yeah. Um, when, when the public learns the full story, they're gonna they'll understand what was really happening in that short video clip that does not give the whole story. We need to be back backing the law enforcement. I agree. And Stephen Owens mentioned that as well about putting it under the attorney general's office, obviously, with the bill that he's presented because of the fact that, number one, it is the law enforcement agent of the state and then being able to partner with the KBI and everything under the same umbrella. That's a great idea is being able to have cross promotion and the opportunity of, hey, you know, whatever field of law enforcement you want to get into, that it's all under the same umbrella here and you have opportunities to grow and gain and see career advancements and moving forward. I love that idea. Good. That's good. to know. I, that's fantastic. That's a that's a great opportunity. And and maybe. Maybe we can shorten the 25% shortage that we have of highway patrol officers in the there state is. right now. And, and especially, I don't know if the if um, Representative Owens talked about the number of K, KHP officers today that are eligible for retirement if they wanted to. Mm. And that becomes scary. That takes a how, hit. You know, it, it was not that long ago, like he said, we were bringing in recruit classes that would be 50, 60 people in depth. And you, you lose some going through the class, but you still be recruiting graduating 30, 35, 40 students. Sure. Now we're down to bringing in a class of six or five or, you know, and yeah. just a fraction of that number actually graduates. Sure. So what happens if we get 40, 50, 60 of them suddenly walking out the door and retirement <laughs> eligible, or they're just getting fed up with it and, and leaving for other entities, which we're seeing also. Yeah, that it, is very true. It becomes scary. It does become scary. It really does. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about, first off, your head of utilities. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about utility rates. The Biden administration said that we were expecting to see utility rates go up near 30% for the wintertime this year. Um, here in the state of Kansas, any idea on what we could see our rates going to go up? And uh, obviously with this, we have to ask about the investigation that's still ongoing regarding the insane amount of natural gas prices that we saw a couple years ago during that cold stint. Any updates on there as well? 
Uh, don't have a lot of updates on the natural gas investigation part at this point. Yeah, uh, There is some that is going back, and I've had some constituents reach out because it was, you know, the amount that it cost the, I'm going to call it the Kansas Gas Service, the, the Black Hills, they, they are simply a reseller or a retailer right. of the gas product itself that's coming out of the pipe. Sure. And there was some significant spikes. I mean, where you're talking most typically three and a half bucks of what I think it's measured a million BTU or so. The cubic feet, yeah. Cubic foot. But it was up to six hundred. That was jumping up to six hundred. Yeah. That that's a huge difference. The problem is these retailers got hit for that amount. So yeah, I don't want to have to eat that, but the retail it's gonna put the retailers out of business if they're stuck with the whole amount whole mm. amount. So we have worked it out with the courts where they could tap another five bucks a month onto the bills and so forth for a period of time. But sure. it, it does have an end in sight. Something else I'm kind of looking at here is on the electric rates. Okay. And I've, I've brought a little chart here and here is, I'm going to, uh, well, I've got, there's first off it's broke up between residential standard service, medium and general service in, in the industrial and large power services. So for the retail customer, January of 22, exactly a year ago, okay. we were paying 12.965 cents per kilowatt hour. And here's what's kind of bothering me because we've, if you drive around town, you'll see billboards out there that says Evergy's cut their rates. Right. I'm thinking, great. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where that's happened at here. Uh-oh. That was January 22. January of 23, current day now, we are paying 14.032 cents per hour. To me, that's not a cut in rate. That's a slight increase. And right. it actually, I think it's about 0.7% increase or so there. And it even jumped up more July of 22. It was 15.2% or cents per kilowatt hour. In October, it started dropping a little bit to the to 14.8 cents per kilowatt hour. So it's still up. Um, part of the savior, I'm going to say with the rates to an extent, Kansas has a lot of their power that comes from a diversity. We've got nuclear, we've got wind, solar, and coal. But the kind of take a look at the coal. In years past, we did not have much for natural gas generation. Mm. And there was some legislators even that really preached and went after that. By golly, the other states have got natural gas, and right. it is cheaper. Well, that was a year ago or two years ago. <laughs> You've seen what happened here uh, February of a uh, year back here sure. where it took its spikes. So now we're sitting here, not much natural gas, got a lot of coal, nuclear, wind. So in a way, we're kind of sitting here and saying, hey, we we picked the right source long term. Sure. Uh, it wasn't planned that way, but that's what it is. <laughs> kind of fell into place that way. Yeah. 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 So Evergy is looking at, it sounds like it's a some new rate increase proposals. That's going to have to come through KCC and legislature and so forth. So I'm trying to get my group starting to get up to speed right away on what are the components of these electric rates what's involved here so that we can better understand it moving forward yeah i've uh, we've heard that they're trying to raise or propose rate increases and they want to do what do they want to do they want to upgrade some of the efficiencies of some of the equipment they have out there don't they that it's amazing how old some of their equipment is now this was at last year i asked the question on what is the average age of your transformers your your different components of the power grid. And at the time, I was told 57 years old. Wow. That's some old stuff. Yeah. And it needs to be upgraded. 
um, what happens with cybersecurity attacks and so forth. I mean, there's so many gotchas out there that we've got to be starting to prepare for it. Well, I'm assuming that it would make things maybe a little more efficient as well, that it would actually maybe in the long run lower some of the rates because if it's newly mm-hmm. and updated, then it's not going to be running the old stuff that kind of like the old gas guzzler. It's really reliable, but by golly, when, uh, you know, it's it's sucking, you know, four, four gallons of gas, you know, a mile. Yeah. When you think of old, I'm, I keep thinking of the coal plants. And I am not sitting here saying I want the coal plants phased out. Right. That needs to be in there as part of our diversity. If we can get wind, uh, power cheaper through wind or through the solar, that, that's great. But we do not have battery technologies right now. So when the wind don't <laughs> blow, we need power. And when the sun don't shine or the, the snow and the, the fog comes and the solar panels are shut down, yeah. we need to have the backup. So... I'm all for the nuclear power coming out of Wolf Creek. I'm all for the coal-fired, and if we have some a little bit of natural gas in the Is there an actual here. chance to bring nuclear back to Kansas? Nuclear's already here. I mean, you got Wolf Creek running 100%. It is cranking. Yes, it it's, is. It, could we expand that? Because that I, would, I think that's one of the most efficient ways that we could have energy. Yeah, it is, especially when you l- really dive into that. Did you know that plant come online around approximately 1985? Wow. And you and I are sitting in the studio. I don't know what the size of this room is here. Give me a give me a wild guess here. Oh, I have no clue. Um, ten by fifteen, probably, ten by twenty. I don't probably know. Probably maybe a ten by twenty room. Did you know all of the spent fuel in Wolf Creek nuclear plant since nineteen eighty five would fit in this room? Interesting. It's man, it, the it, efficiencies. Yeah, and there is a way to re enrich that if we wanted, but we we don't for political purposes. Right. <laughs> you know, rather than just storing it or burying it. Could we possibly in the future just re-enrich it and use it? But there, the technology has changed so much on nuclear in, in the past recent years. Um, SNRs, small nuclear reactors, and that's when we get into uh, just a couple days ago on Thursday in my committee, we had uh, some people come in and testify us, to us about hydrogen manufacturing, storage, and usage. Sure. And... To get the hydrogen manufacturing, it is power intensive, but what happens if I have this manufacturing plant and I can put a small nuclear reactor there to provide the power? I'm not necessarily pulling it off the grid, but it's, it's got its own coming in, or the solar arrays or wind or so. You can make it truly out of green energy at that point in time. Man. And suddenly you've got... Wouldn't that be nice? Yes, it yeah. would. And there there's different colors that get into this hydrogen between green, blue, turquoise, and, and on and on and on. And it's, it's just rated on how green and renewable this these types of energies are that you get out of it. Yeah, well, let's talk about that for a minute. We have yeah. about six minutes left as we have to kind of wrap up. It flies yeah. right on by. But let's talk about hydrogen for a second because this has been something that's been kind of talked about in places but hasn't been on the radar for a lot of people. But we're literally talking hydrogen energy now hydrogen run cars Mm -hmm. as well instead of electric cars the evs which i think are stupidly ridiculous hydrogen is another opportunity and we're looking at embracing and expanding that here in kansas why do you say evs are stupidly ridiculous uh well it's not just the plugging in and being dependent on an electric grid that's already strained but it's the production of it of the lithium that's way harder to mine than it is for for everything else that we could do for regular coal energy, uh, which makes it more expensive and less economic or environmentally friendly. Then you have to rely on electric grid that they're trying to shut down because too many people are hooked up to it already. Okay. Good answer, Andy. And people that know me up around Topeka, they I've been preaching for years, lithium is not the answer. 
Uh, EVs might be. I, I really like the EV as far as the electric motors on there, the high torque. I mean, the, the less they moving do go. parts. Yes, they, they do. do. And they're a lot more maintenance-free. There's a lot less moving parts. But what happens if I could provide you an electric vehicle without necessarily big lithium batteries, but a fuel cell that gets its power from a hydrogen tank mm-hmm. that you can pull into eventually a fueling station, and in five minutes' times you fill up your tank and you head on down the road. Now, when you say fill up your tank, fill it up with... It'd be hydrogen instead of gasoline. Straight hydrogen. Don't tell me that, you know, oh my goodness, you're, we're, we're driving around in bombs. Well, <laughs> what, what are you driving around with? A, do you remember the Ford Pintos? <laughs> <laughs> there is that. There is that. No, you've already got explosives in the gas tank. Yeah. It's just a different style of it. But when you burn that hydrogen through a fuel cell, it mixes with oxygen. Now, what happens when you combine H2 and the O for the oxygen? Turns into water. It's water, and you end up with little... And, and there, I've seen um, depictions of water spewing out of the gas, you know, the tailpipe. No, it's a drip. If, think of driving behind a, a car today yeah. that is kind of cold where they just took off, and you see a little drip, drip, drip coming out of it, and that's that's what we're looking at here. That's so, interesting. How many people are looking at this There, idea? There are manufacturers out there already looking at it. I mean, I'm, I shouldn't say looking at it. There's manufacturers out there already doing it. Doing it. Yes. And it, it's California's a little more advanced on on some of it right now than we are. But we have got such a unique setup in the state. And then I also want to say it's not just for electric vehicles. Uh, you'll start hearing more and more about the term ICE. Uh, it stands for internal combustion engine. So it's, mm. it's something that's been around that's, a while that's here. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So... So we're looking at actually expanding a f- potential factory. Are we are we investigating or researching? What are we doing here in Kansas with this? Okay, I would I've envisioned that Kansas is going to start doing manufacturing of this. We're already doing. We've been in the hydrogen for some years, whether you like it or not. But uh, and and don't cross this over. But we've already got uh, businesses here in Western Kansas and so forth that is producing fertilizers. Sure. Which is another benefit of the hydrogen uh, H, I believe it's H3N, mixing it with nitrogen, you end up with anhydrous ammonia fertilizers. And today, where does a big brunt of the fertilizers come from? Do you know? From China. And Russia. And and Ukraine. Is there any problems over there? (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. Which is, again, it's hitting the farmer's pocketbooks and the farmers have to turn around and hit our pocketbooks with the inflation. What happens if we could start manufacturing some of that right here in Kansas? It, it could be a game changer. So it sounds like we, we're we on the cutting edge of a lot of opportunity here between the hydrogen, between the fertilizer, and then even I go back to what you guys talked about a few years ago with hemp as well, with trying to grow, although that's, you know, I think the government regulations on that are a little absurd for farmers to not really have a benefit to do it. But between those three, we could really be changing the landscape of things that we use and buy in the efficiencies of stuff pretty dramatically here in Kansas. Yeah, we could. Um, right now, we passed the first hurdle with the hydrogen as far as the, the feds are offering grants to states who are willing to step up to the plate sure. as far as production and manufacturing of it. And we turned in a 20, I believe it was 24-page scientific document to the feds specific to Kansas doing it. And it did get approval. I just I got word up there this this week that it was approved, so it moves Kansas to the next step. Sure. And we're going after that wholeheartedly. And I know you've got to take going a break here, it. so we'll come back on it. Man, well, well, we're out of time, my friend. It's already bottom of the hour. We're already wrapped up. We got David Schneider right around the corner, but man, we need to get you back on to talk more about this 
this hydrogen stuff because that is fascinating, and that's a whole new world that I haven't even thought much about. So it's fun. State Representative Leo Delperdang, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for having me again, Andy. I yeah. sure appreciate it. And it goes by in a blink of an eye. We'll get you back on again in another legislative update here real soon. When we come back on the home stretch, last half hour of the program, David Schneider, Convention Estates. We'll get his thoughts plus our weekly AARP update as well to wrap up the program. It's Candace Talk right here on KQAM. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Helps when I turn on my microphone. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today on a Saturday, last half hour on the home stretch, man. Flies right on by. We have the weekend with Michael Brown coming up on KQAM at just a little bit, 11 o'clock. Make sure to stay tuned in all next week for the Voice of Reason, our national broadcast as. We have some great guests lined up this week as well. We got some good conversations going on. A lot of things, not just the latest and the. I know people get boring and get bored when I talk about just financial and economic issues. The debt ceiling at the federal level that's officially been capped. We're already done. It's January. You got nine months left of a federal budget, and you're out of money already. That's an issue. The question is, will Republicans stand firm on that one and not raise the debt ceiling, or? Well, they cave like the big concern was when Kevin McCarthy became Speaker of the House. We'll get all of that a little bit later on in maybe in this program as well and definitely throughout the week as well. But we're going to talk about some other issues uh, too. But to wrap up the program today, we've talked with State Representative Patrick Penn. We've talked with State Representative uh, Stephen Owens and State Representative Leo Delperding, who was just in studio with us. And we always appreciate all those guys very, very much. Uh, loaded up the show with all the different committees and what they're working on in Topeka right now for the first week of Legislative Session 2023. And now what I want to bring on, shift gears a little bit to uh, kind of the policy side of things. As you know, we've talked with uh, Rick Santorum. We've talked with David Schneider plenty of times on the program as well with Convention of States. And can we get this through this year? How many Republicans are supporting Convention of States and where will it go uh, throughout this legislative session? Back on the studio line with us, it is Mr. The Man himself, David Schneider. David, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Andy. How are you? Living the dream. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, <laughs> here we are living that dream, but it seems like more of a nightmare with this uh, debt ceiling already uh, that you mentioned a couple times already. Good golly. I, I, can you believe the federal government spends so much money that we've already re- reached the debt ceiling once again? Yeah. I mean, it seems like we're living in a world of insanity. We're in January. The debt ceiling's already hit January 19th, the third week of the new year, and we're already out of money at the federal level. I mean, that should say something. Uh, Kevin McCarthy was on Sean Hannity, uh, what, just last week and said that, well, we don't have to worry about that debate until like summertime. In which case, I could see us trying to limp through for a couple of months until a new federal budget hits, but we're already out. We're done. It's We got nine months to go on a federal budget left. Yeah, thanks uh, to the U.S. Senate for uh, kicking that can down the road and uh, sac- <laughs> saddling us with this debt uh, to start off the new Congress that just got set. So this is amazing. Here we are living the the nightmare of the federal government and the dysfunction that continues on that I've been talking about for a lot of years and why I'm so passionate about Convention of States. And here we are. Here, here, we're talking about the same old, same old. Convention of States hasn't passed in the state of Kansas. You know, I've been able to get this thing done in Oklahoma, Missouri, Nebraska, Texas, 
But some in the state legislature, you know, continue to be resistant, if is lack of a better word, resistant or fearful of this process. But they're not as fearful from the federal government as we know what will happen if we continue to do the same old, same old. We're going to spend our children and our grandchildren's future down the down the road. So we're doing it. And, uh, you know, so I've been real active over the last, I don't know, nine years working on this, 10 years in the state of Kansas, and uh, pretty frustrated at this point that we have some good friends in the conservative side that still, still to this day, uh, cling to this belief that there's fear to be had from a convention of states, yet, you know, they're not looking at the federal government with the same amount of fear. So uh, I was going to ask, I mean, what is the what is the holdout? What is the concern that it's it's going to be a runaway that we just end up going backwards with the convention of states and doing something that's non-beneficial? I mean, what's what's the fear here on why there's a lack of support? Well, I can tell you in the Wichita area, we have a lot of support from our representatives, uh, but there are some still some roadblocks that exist, believe it or not. From the 1970s, after Roe v. Wade got passed in 73, they instituted a lot of rules to prevent Kansas from joining a convention of states to take out Roe v. Wade, the landmark decision from the Supreme Court. And as you know, a constitutional amendment to protect life would have been amazing if, in fact, we could have got it in the 70s or 80s. But there was a lot of these these people in Topeka that were fearful of a convention of states doing just that. So they put in barriers, including what we call the Roe Rule, which exists still in the Kansas House of Representatives that requires a two-thirds majority vote just to, just to try to apply for a convention of states. And we've come up against this rule so many times. Um, so it's frustrating. We got, a, we got a majority support in the Kansas House, but we have the opportunity to take out this Roe Rule within the next week. And so we're asking our folks uh, to contact your state representatives to let them know you want this row rule re- just eliminated out of the, out of the House rule set. They're going to be debating the rules here in the next week. Uh, the Senate, by the way, has no such rule. Now, only the House has this rule. So this, their, their argument is, oh, you know, you know we're, this is an added layer of protection. No, it's actually treating Kansas as less of a citizen of, those, of our neighbor states like Nebraska, who's joined this. Missouri has joined this, Oklahoma has joined this, Texas have joined this, mostly because they don't have these stupid, ridiculous barriers that exist in their set of rules. So here we are. We were in the Capitol this this week and talking with a lot of our good friends, but we need them to go to leadership and tell tell leadership that they want this rule removed. So So that's, that's the main reason I wanted to come back. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I just I want to try and understand here. So the role rule that we have in the House Representatives right now in Topeka says that they need two thirds vote in order to pass uh, any type of uh, convention of states movement to be able to work with a convention of states in any way, shape or form. Uh, if that is reversed, then it would be what just a simple, simple vote from both chambers and we'd be able to move forward with this. Not exactly. So this is where the, the it gets real confusing. The Kansas Constitution is very clear. It, it requires two thirds. But the issue is the this the two thirds in the Kansas Constitution is actually unconstitutional to the United States Constitution. We've gotten Derek Schmidt to have a uh, issue an opinion on this, but the problem is we can't challenge it in court and to get that actually looked at by a federal court with this stupid rule in place because what they're doing is limiting themselves personally because they vote on the rules every two years and and, and say you know what. It doesn't matter what anything else says. We want to hold ourselves to the two-thirds majority before we can join the Convention of States. 
So again, the Senate has no such rule. The House does. Yes, the Kansas Constitution still exists, and yes, we'd still have to get two-thirds to get it ruled as passed. But if it doesn't pass with two-thirds, we do have an opportunity to have a, a court actually look at this, the Kansas Constitution. With this rule in place, we can't even get the federal court to look at it. So yeah. this is a way for we've got to remove the rule first. We're not asking them to violate their oath to the Kansas Constitution or any of the nonsense I've heard. What we want to do is just get their rule in line in the House as it is with the state Senate. And let's vote up and down on convention states, see how it works out. If we can get a federal court to look at it, great. If not, we're going to continue on this path to get Kansas on board. We have no other option. I mean, look at the federal government. It, it is what it is. Yeah. It, it will collapse at some point. We're going to spend ourselves into oblivion. Uh, term limits on Congress. I know they, they've made this great deal with McCarthy, right? You know, they're going to introduce and actually get the debate on term limits maybe for the first time ever. It's been introduced <laughs> over 300 times in Congress, but it's never actually gotten a committee hearing. So maybe they get that far. But do you really think Congress is going to limit themselves and their power and their, their, the swamp will actually reduce itself? It's never going to happen until we go through a convention of states process as spelled out in Article 5 of the United States Constitution. The Congress will never, never limit themselves. And if you think otherwise, you know, there, there's maybe some there's beachfront property down in Arizona you need to get involved with. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And we've said that many times as well. It's good that they're actually discussing it, but it's never going to go anywhere. Even if they were able to get it through the House, there's which I don't think they're going to get it through the House anyways. But if they did, there's no way it would get through the Senate as well. That's dominated by Democrats and the elite establishment. And even if they did on a whim, then there's no way that someone that's been in office for 54 plus whatever years but Joe Biden is actually going to sign off on a term limits bill for elected officials. So it's not going anywhere. It's going to be done from outside forces. It's wild that it's frustrating because I'm with you. I support convention of states. I love the movement. I love the idea that we need to at least get together and try something outside of the government as another angle of attack here. But it sounds like we have a lot of red tape that we need to work through between the row rule that's in the House of Representatives. And then once we do repeal that for a simple majority vote, then it's that two-thirds vote in both chambers for a constitutional, uh, according to the Kansas Constitution, in order to get it passed. And if we can even get close to that, then it's the hope to challenge it in court in order for this to move forward. There's a there, there's a lot of roadblocks around here, it sounds like. Well, I tell you, the progressives did an amazing job back in the 1970s and 80s in the state of Kansas instituting these these barriers. You know, the Kansas Constitution never had this provision in it before 1974. You know, think about the timing there, 1974, 1973 was Roe v. Wade. It was slipped into the Kansas Constitution and sent as an amendment and sent to the people. It was never explained to the people why this was inserted in Article 2 of the Kansas Constitution as far as the amendment was concerned. It was a page-long amendment, and this provision was only maybe eight, eight words, and that was never explained. And I can guarantee you the Kansans did not want their ability to call for a convention of states to be limited. Um, you know, states like Missouri, Oklahoma, they never did any of this. And they're able to to get on board with these type of reform efforts to to get, you know, pushback on the federal government. You know, it's time to, you know, start, you know, peeling away the onion here in a little bit. And the first thing to do is get rid of the rule. We'll worry about the second layer at the at that point. 
But um, we need to get this rule changed right away. Um, they're going to be doing a rules committee next week. We're asking everybody to go to kansascos.com, kansascos.com. You can got a link there. You can link up with your brand new, you know, I know there's a lot of redistricting and what happened all across America, but your new legislators, if that is the case, but you can send them an email, call them, whatever, but let them know you want convention of the state done. Uh, you want this rule removed and let's move Kansas forward. I like it. It's uh, KansasCOS.com. Go and check it out and show up. Or if you can't show up, at least call your legislator and let them know what's going on with these convention of states. Are you optimistic this year? Do you think that we can at least get uh, a little bit of movement here, either by a vote in the House or at least repealing the Roe rule? Or where do you think we're going to land this year? We're really close on this rule. Um, I think if we all we need is a simple majority on the rule. Uh, so that's 63 votes, and uh, we're getting really close right now as far as my internal whip sheet. But we need our friends that support Convention of States absolutely on board with this rule change. And to stop letting these excuses and this noise come in from the side, and, and it is an up-down vote basically on Convention of States on this, for this rule. So if you support Convention of States, you should support getting rid of this rule. There's no reason for it. And again, the Senate has no such rule. Um, it's not circumventing the Constitution. It, nobody's going to ask you to violate your oath of office. I mean, I've heard all kinds of craziness that, around this. Um, we just need to get rid of the rule so we can move for Convention of States forward in Kansas. There it is. David Schneider, Convention of States here for the state of Kansas. David, good luck to you, my friend, next week. It sounds like it's going to be a hard-fought battle, and you guys have a road ahead, but uh, maybe we can see some progress happen on it this year. David, appreciate it. Let's get an update from you again here soon. I appreciate it, Andy. Hey, always a pleasure, my friend. There it is, David Schneider, KansasCOS.com is the website. Go and check it out. And interested to see how that hearing goes next week. All right, we'll take a break. We got an update from AARP when we come back right around the corner, wrap up the program for a Saturday here on Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Again, with the AARP Weathers the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also, make sure to find them and follow them on their social media as well. And back on the line with us this week is Glenda. Glenda, how are you today? Doing well, Andy, and you? Doing great. Always good to chat with you. We talk a lot about your Fraud Watch Network and all the frauds that are happening nationwide and here in the state of Kansas, but there's one that I don't know if we've really talked about much or that many people are aware of, but there are obviously many that go along with your credit score or trying to get your credit cards or trying to put things onto your credit. But what about credit repair scams with getting an email, a phone call, something saying, hey, we can help repair your credit score if you have a low score. What's going on here? That's exactly it. And so, Andy, you know, if you're like a lot of Americans, you know, you some people have spent a lot of money this holiday season. And now we might be, may not be in the mood to actually tackle those debts for the new year. But getting yourself out of debt is hard work and it's time intensive. But as we do that, we need to be wary of offers that will guarantee any uh, quick fixes to it. Hmm. Criminals actually prey on financial fears by offering simple solutions, which is what you're looking for at that point. These offers can usually involve upfront fees. And first of all, we need to know that those are illegal. They also will provide bad advice, like stopping communications with the creditors and vague details on what services they actually do provide. So there are some ways that uh, you know we can share that will help you to get uh, out of debt, but really uh, a reputable organization. 
uh, like the um, nonprofit, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, instead of doing those other um, options that you would receive from someone would, with the, that would be a scam, going to the National Foundation for Credit Counseling or other local-type uh, organizations would be our suggestion and recommendation. That's a great point. I like that. Going to a credible source there to actually know that what you're going to get is what you're going to get. Now, what about the actual uh, credit unions themselves of uh, uh, TransUnion or any of the, the, the other ones where we get our credit scores? Do they help out as well? By going there and getting your credit report and looking at it and reviewing it yourself and reaching out to them, absolutely, it's a great way to um, you know get those that work done. Yeah, yeah. Where do they usually these scams? Where do they usually come out from? Is it usually an email? Is it uh, uh, an advertisement on certain websites? Where do we usually see these scams? Well, you know, it's it's absolutely a combination. Uh, sometimes you can receive them in email, but then there's a lot of advertisements that you will see that if you're in that position, you might want to reach out to them, uh, and especially when they're offering simple solutions and quick solutions. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Uh, usually they try to get you to sign up for credit cards on there as well as you're already pre-qualified or you're pre-approved or they're going to try and get you all signed up. And uh, just a reminder for those as well that anybody that applies to those need to be very careful when putting in personal information, correct? Personal information because they're getting your information and can use it absolutely to do uh, other things as a part of their scam. Yeah. So you definitely want to be assured, be very weary of those kinds of offers for yeah, sure. That is very concerning. You don't want to start off 2023 with some scam on your account. No, no, no. So you uh, absolutely continually through uh, 2023 wanting to be a fraud fighter and spotting those kinds of uh, scams are an excellent way to uh, to stop those scams, for sure. Absolutely. we got just about a minute left here with the AARP okay. as we talk about these other issues. Talk about what else you guys are going on, though. I know what we're getting, and now that it's the beginning of the year, I know people may start focusing some attention on taxes. I know you guys help out with some tax services as well, but other com- uh, community events, other things you guys have going on, what's going on with the AARP? Yeah, yes, our tax aid uh, locations will be opening here very soon, and there'll be information on our website. You can find out. You can actually um, go on and sign up for appointments online. So we'll actually share more information about that. But they're definitely they definitely will be opening in the Wichita area and other areas where uh, we have our tax aid locations. And we will have one new one at the Atwater Center in Wichita this year. So uh, we're certainly gearing up for that. And we will also have our concerts on the second and fourth. Um, Fridays of each month, and we will get those started. And also our Fraud Watch uh, Friday, the third Friday of each month. So those are some things that we can really start looking forward to. I love it. Always great information, and uh, it's gearing up to be a busy and exciting 2023 with the AARP. Check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda, we appreciate it very much. Have a wonderful week. We'll do it again next week. Thank you. You too, Andy. There it is, man. The show flies right on by. We appreciate the AARP and all the guests that we had on the program today. That does it for us. We're about ready to wrap it up here for just a minute. There's so much more that we want to get to. Didn't get a chance, but don't worry. We'll be back at it again next week. We'll have maybe at some point here, we'll have the state of the state address from Governor Laura Kelly. We'll also get some of the updates on the legislative session and some of the bills that are being presented. As you notice, we didn't talk about the marijuana bill today. Doesn't seem like... They're focused on that one as of yet. Right now, appropriations discussions are officially underway. Where's that tax money going to go? Plus some of the other major issues as well. But until then, have a wonderful weekend. Back at it again on Monday for The Voice Reason on Martin Luther King Day. We're also back at it again next Saturday. 
right here on Candace Talk every Saturday from 9 to 11. Until then, have a great weekend. This is Candace Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. We will see you on the radio.